interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I say it every time to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. We have a special edition, our draft recap. And anyone that follows the Canadian Baseball Network knows just how much we love the draft. Yeah, it's always an exciting time of year. Uh, obviously, looking towards the future. Uh, an interesting year this time around as well. We've got lots of Canadian content, both in terms of, uh, you know, some players that got picked, some good stories, but also the Jays being very involved in picking some Canadians as well, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I. It makes sense, obviously. The local, I say local um, team, the Canadian Canada's team, picking Canadian players is always a nice story. So let's get it started. I don't think anyone was surprised with the first overall pick, Miles Naylor, guest of the show, friend of the show, we should say, going to the Oakland A's in the first round, 39th overall, the competitive the competitive balance round. Um, yeah, not a surprise there, Jackson, that he's the first to go. No, absolutely not. You know, we were, uh, we were, you know, guessing when he might go, we were wondering if maybe Cleveland was going to be involved in that process at all. Um, you know, he goes to an organization in Oakland that's great at development, right? That's their thing. That's their bread and butter, draft and develop, scouting. So he's going into a great situation there. Uh, another Canadian, Denzel Clark, of course, in that system as well. You know, credit to the Nailers, credit to the Nailer family. What an accomplishment this is, Matt, to have three Nailers uh, all going very highly in the draft here over the last uh, decade or so. It's It's such a cool story. Yeah, so I mean, we had mentioned before that MLB Pipeline had him ranked 59th, I believe, and the Guardians had the 58th pick, so I kind of made that joke on a previous podcast, but obviously didn't get that far. Um, another interesting aspect of this, Matt Higginson, the area scout for the Oakland Athletics, is from Grimsby, Ontario, um, so kind of a, a, a real nice Canadian connection there, and and I don't, I haven't seen that Naylor signed yet. Um, he, he posted on Twitter that he was excited to start his professional career. The A's don't make this selection, obviously, if he's not going to sign. But uh, definitely excited to see how he uh, integrates into the A's system. You know, whether he when he arrives or in Oakland or Las Vegas is probably another question. Uh, but yeah, another American League nailer, and and you know, again, no surprise that he was the first one to go. Richard Griffin, I know Matt, you shared it. I think it was on your Twitter. Richard Griffin had an interesting story. He uh, says, I feel a small part of the Miles Naylor draft by the A's tonight. Years ago at winter meetings when I was with the star, I allowed an Oakville kid who played at Gardner Webb U, Matt Higginson, to stay in my Orlando hotel room looking for a job. He is now the A's Canadian scout. Cool story, right? I mean, baseball is, um, you know, we it's it may seem like a bigger world than it really is, right? It's uh, at the end of the day, much like other businesses, a very small world, very interconnected, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And, and I've had the privilege of meeting Matt uh, on a few occasions while I was coaching with the Terriers and, you know, a very hardworking scout. And, you know, it, it's a nice Canadian connection, but don't be fooled that, you know, there's no, you know, the 39th pick for the A's to, you know, take Higginson's, uh, you know, evaluation of this player very seriously goes to show how respected he is in the organization as well. Big time, big time. You know, we kind of lose sight of that, right? Sort of how uh, it works for scouts and how, you know, a guy that they had been focused on gets taken and what that can do for the scout as well. And and sort of that whole dynamic in, in all sports. Um, a question for you, though, Matt, about Miles Naylor. So what kind of ETA do you think we're looking at here for him to get to the bigs? Is it three years? Is it five years? I guess a lot of that will kind of depend on injuries and how things go. But Oakland, you know, is a team that will promote prospects pretty young. Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, called up their first and third overall prospect in Tyler Soderstrom and uh, Zach Geloff uh, this past weekend after the All-Star break. So a high school kid still. I, I still think he's a he's a ways away, you know, 17, 18 years old. He'll, 
you know, but he can hit. They have the hit tool. All the nailers do, and, and that gets you promoted quickly through the system if you can uh, hit at each level. You know, I'm not going to sit here and give you a projection of, you know, 2026 and Miles Nailers hitting second for the Oakland Athletics at Rogers Center or anything like that. But I think he goes, progresses pretty quick. If he can hit anything like his brothers. Um, and we heard him talk a little bit about how he takes some of from each of them. And obviously now Bo is starting to swing a little bit in the big league. So um, I don't have any doubt that he gets there. The, the timeline, you know, that's obviously kind of in the player's hands. Yeah, and, and I see he was drafted as a third baseman. I know he's got experience at shortstop as well. Uh, in fact, when I covered him briefly a few years ago, he was playing shortstop. You think he stays at third as he develops throughout the system, or where do you kind of see him positionally here? Yeah, I, w- I would say he sticks, you know, at third. Um, you know, who knows? I, you know, he's obviously not a – I don't think he's a middle infield guy, maybe first, maybe a little bit of the out- corner outfield positions, mm-hmm. but – Again, it, it comes down to his ability to swing the bat. If he swings the bat, he's going to move through pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, obviously, 39th round, they believe in him a lot. <laughs> uh, I think slot for that slot value for that pick was just north of 2.2 million, uh, which is what actually I think Bo signed for with the 28th pick. So it kind of just shows how inflation plays into this draft <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think he probably sticks at a corner corner position or in the outfield. I mean. Yeah, and he's gonna hit. Nailers always hit. So, and and I, how about the Ontario Blue Jays? Three nailers from the Ontario Blue Jays. Jordan Romano in the big league. Zach Pop. I'm probably missing somebody. Um, but you know that organization just pumped out professional prospects over the years. So kudos to them as well. So the second pick, this one, you know, this one caught my eye right away. And it's it's Matt Duffy out of Camusius College. Obviously, the right-hander went to the Boston Red Sox in the fourth round, 115th overall. And what caught my eye about this one was a friend of the show, Matt Brash, now reliever for the Seattle Mariners, was drafted by the San Diego Padres in the fourth round, 113th overall. Um, so obviously a close pick, but what's even more interesting about this is Matt Duffy, obviously, as I mentioned, Canisius College. Matt Brash was Niagara University, both Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference players. You know, Northeast going very high in the draft. So obviously the Red Sox believe a lot in what Matt Duffy has done. You know, you make the brash com- comparison there. It's it's very interesting, and isn't it funny the way the draft works sometimes? How close that is, and you mentioned the conference as well. And, and brash was a guy who, you know, we had him on our show. We've talked about it a few times. Make sure you go listen to that episode, by the way, about how you know he he got traded right. He was moved around a little bit, but also you know he kind of had to especially during COVID. Now you know Duffy will probably be hoping there's not another pandemic in the future. Um, you know, Brash basically had to just go to a mound and sort of rejig a few things and, and sort of reset a little bit. And that was as a, as a guy coming out of the fourth round of college, right? So it's interesting to see the development path of some of these guys, right? And and sort of, you know, you were talking about, we were just talking about Naylor coming out of high school and how far away he is. Well, even, you know, a guy coming out of college is a pitcher, like you're still a ways away. And, and you know, I think the Brash success story is a really good one and, and sort of a uh, someone that Duffy can certainly look to as a, as a sort of source of inspiration. I mean, look at the career that Brash is currently carving out, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, you saw the velo jump a little bit for Duffy. And the, and the question around, you know, and this is no disrespect to the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, but, you know, it's not a Power 5 conference. Um, there's sometimes questions around, you know, the competition level when comparing it and projecting it to the pro level. But Matt Duffy also quieted down a lot of that talk by performing the Cape Cod League. Um, that uh, probably played a huge um, role in this. He, he's been in the Cape now. I think this was his second year with the Bourne Braves um, and performed well. So that definitely had a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a, a huge 
uh, interest point, I'd imagine, for the Sox. And where do you see Duffy's sort of ceiling as a prospect? Again, I, I hate to give the uh, the political answer, but it's going to be up to him. But, you know, you, you get guys out. And I've kind of seen it, you know, in the big leagues throughout the last couple of years that, you know, it, it comes down to getting people out at the big league level. It doesn't, they don't care where you went. They don't care what you've done. It's about where you're, where you're going and where you get guys out. Um, so obviously a little bit older of a player just finished his junior season at, at Canisius. Um, so he, he may start in, in a, um, maybe skip over the rookie rookie league. Um, who knows, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be up to him. And, and I found it interesting that he was actually right before the draft, just days before the draft, actually, he had committed, he was going to transfer to the university of South Carolina. Um, so obviously going from the MAAC to the SEC, mm-hmm. um, a lot of belief there in, in those power five schools and what he can do as well. So. Um, there's a lot of belief, not only by the Red Sox, but people in baseball, this guy can progress pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, we've got, what, two Canadians already uh, in Boston's pitching staff and Paxton and Pavetta, and perhaps one day another in Matt Duffy. Yeah, I don't know if Paxton will still be there if Duffy <laughs> ever arrives, but uh, that would be pretty cool. But, yeah. and, you know, you're speaking of the GTA, we might as well stay there with the third Canadian selected. It was Connor O'Halloran, lefty out of the University of Michigan. And this is another cool story picked by the Jays in the fifth round, 157th overall. His dad back in 1988, Greg O'Halloran, a catcher, was the 30, I mean, I don't want to mess this up, 32nd round pick of the Jays, 836th overall. So a little bit of a family connection, not only with the Canadian team picking the Canadian, but literally within the family. Back when there were, what, 40 rounds in the draft? It's crazy. I think it was 50 back then. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. And that's a great story, right? And in, in a, you know, a guy who obviously, you know, we talk about all the time when you grow up as sort of the son of a, a big leaguer, as the son of really any pro athlete, you know, it's uh, it's certainly a bit of a different experience. You have a different perspective and, and a bit more of knowledge. And um, I find for me, like what what I notice about a lot of that, you know, the the kids of of former pros is that they're just they are themselves pros a lot quicker. Right. They they sort of develop quicker and they sort of have a better sense of what it takes to be a pro and all that kind of stuff and all the intangibles and those things. But yeah, like you said, another GTA success story, Mississauga, Ontario. I know for everyone who's not in the GTA right now, they're thinking, all right, move it along. Enough of that. Enough. We get it. Toronto's the center of the universe. We get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, college lefty. Um, it'll be really interesting to see uh, where things go from here for O'Halloran. A really cool story. Like you said, you know, local guy getting picked by the Jays. I'm sure that's amazing for him. And um, you know, he went to a pretty uh, predominant school in, in the University of Michigan. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how quickly he can move through the system in that case, especially coming out of college. Yeah, and I think this is another guy that when I was with the Terriers, I got to see up close. And, and mm-hmm. like you said, just a professional. You kind of had that sense around him. He was all I always remember him kind of as, a, as, as pretty quiet, but when, but business-like, which I think will translate very well to the college game. Pitched a little bit right out of Michigan, right at Michigan, right as his freshman year, and kind of progressed into you know their Friday night starter um, this past season. Uh, yeah, just a really interesting story. Um, kind of that tie to his father. Um, but again, it's it's Connor O'Halloran's time now, and he's going to have to carve out a path of his own, and I have no doubt that he will. Yeah, lots of room in this Jays system for pitchers to kind of move through quickly. Um, you know, especially if you're a lefty, right? So. Uh, it'd be interested to see kind of how quickly he can move through the system. Uh, I, I know it's kind of difficult to put an ETA and these kind of things. Do you see him as sort of a rotation guy? I guess we'll see kind of how things play out, like you said. But do you think he has the stuff to stick in a rotation? Or could he be more of like a nice 
lefty bullpen piece here once he kind of develops? Well, I think it's going to be interesting because I don't remember, you know, watching him at Michigan. I don't remember the velocity being yeah, super high, um, but a lot of pitchability, um, a, a competitor. So, you know, definitely, I think probably gets a chance in the rotation. You know, you pitch at Michigan, you know, in the in the Big Ten as a starter. Oh. You would think that they would give him the chance early on to do that. But, yeah, uh, yeah well, it'll just have to see how it goes. And, yeah, another uh, another success story for a Canadian and, and another close tie, which is which is interesting. Yeah. And, and shouldering that load of being sort of that that primary guy at Michigan is is no small task. Right. So I think it does show a little bit sort of what he's made of. And I think could, as you said, project a little bit uh, positively for the future. So it'll be really interesting to see and a good story there for Connor O'Halloran. Well, I think interesting too. We talked about, you know, I, I, there's only been two Canadians that I know of that have signed so far yeah. um, that have been drafted. But I saw, I think it was Jay's prospect Twitter this morning, uh, mentioned that O'Halloran had put at Blue Jays in his Instagram bio. Ooh. So, and again, not it shouldn't be surprising. Most guys that would go on day one or day two end up signing, or they wouldn't have been picked in that spot. Yeah. Um, obviously, not all of them, but typically, you know, teams aren't going to waste a draft pick on a guy that they don't think, especially in the first two days of the draft, that they don't think they can, they're able to sign. So, and being a junior, there's really no. Yeah. reason for him to go back to be a, to pitch a senior season yeah um so i expect probably that sign to come in the coming days likely let's stick with the blue jays and i and i think listeners outside of the gta as you mentioned will be happy to see us venture outside the gta um <laughs> infielder sam shaw was the next pick in the ninth round also by the blue jays 274th overall and he's one of the two that have signed jackson yeah and you know a, a guy who you mentioned signed very quickly like you said, and this is a guy who was taken in the ninth round, um, Victoria, BC, shout out Victoria, BC. Yeah. And you know, in, in a case where he signed quickly as a ninth rounder, and that's a great story in and of itself. Again, another Jays pick here. Uh, this hasn't always been the case where the Jays dip this much into, you know, they'll always take maybe one guy at a candidate, it feels like, but you get a couple guys here um, in short order. It's, you know, a, a good story at a BC and, and, you know, the, the first pick at a BC, in fact. Yeah, and signed for two hundred eighty-five thousand slot, yeah. I believe, for the pick was one seventy-five. So they they went a little bit over there. Nice. Uh, so obviously a little bit of belief there, a lot of belief in Sam Shaw. Mm-hmm. Left-handed bat sprays the ball. Um, got had the opportunity to see him play for Team BC at the Canada Summer Games. Uh, an impressive player. He was ex- he was committed to Xavier, so obviously he's going to forego that and start his career at a high school. Um. You know, guys starting out of high school, they have a little bit more runway, obviously. They're a little bit younger, three years younger than most guys coming out of college. So um, I think this will be a real slow progression um, for Sam Shaw, but he's going to have a lot of time to to develop in the system. Big time, right? A high school outfielder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, when he gets to the Vancouver Canadians, though, that's going to be electric, hey, out there, uh, you know, for a Victoria guy. Um you know, I think that's one of the nice things about having Vancouver as a minor league affiliate for the Jays is that you sort of do get these success stories of, you know, promoting baseball in BC and uh, much deserved to say the least. And and so, yeah, they're obviously going to take their time with him. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. He's got a great name, Sam Shaw. Um, and, you know, all the best for him. You know, here's another guy who's a junior national team alumni as well. I think it also speaks to the, the development program um, and just how far it's come that, you know, some are saying maybe this was a bit of a down year. No disrespect to any of the prospects taken, uh, but even in a down year, you know, there's still a lot of talent on display. Yeah. And I think the next guy caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, 
Outfielder Avery Owusu Isaidu. I may not be predicting that correctly. I even know this guy was Canadian when he popped up. So credit to Baseball Canada for breaking that on Twitter. So this guy was born, he's an outfielder and he attended the Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. He was born in Saskatoon, but his hometown is Waukesha, Wisconsin. Hmm. Uh, so I was scrambling on draft day when this one came up, trying to find information on this guy. But yeah, that, he was the fifth Canadian selected in the draft by the Phillies. There you go. Yeah. And, and, you know, a guy taken in the ninth round, right? So we'll see shortly right after Sam shell actually. So another Canadian outfielder, um, obviously we'll see, like you mentioned, same kind of thing, you know, they'll take their time with him. You'd imagine and develop him nice and slowly, but here's another great story. We don't see as many, uh, prospects coming in as Saskatchewan. Right. And as you said, you didn't even know that he was Canadian, sort of an off the board pick maybe. And, um, you know, the Phillies, you know, let's be honest, haven't always had the best development system. They often uh, field their big league team via trades and things like that. You know, prospects are often uh, moved more often than they're developed, but uh, still an amazing story. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes. You know, obviously, as we know, the team that drafts you isn't always the team you end up playing for. Matt Brash is a good example of that. Josh Naylor is a good example of that. It's a cool story. Yeah, I love to see picks from all over. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, we talked about the GTA early in this in this episode but it's nice to see you know the the love spread out throughout the country and it really goes to show the talent that goes right from coast to coast um always nice to see but we're gonna hop back to bc for our next selection it was left-hand pitcher matt wilkinson he went in the 10th round to the cleveland guardians again we've talked about the guardians plenty of times in this podcast and and their develop not only their development system but a lot of the canadians they have so um if Wilkinson does sign he's going to be in a good organization yeah White Rock BC and uh you know as you mentioned here he was the uh NJCAA got that right division one pitcher of the year right so some pedigree there another lefty right and, and a college lefty at that so where do you think how long do you think I mean obviously it's it's tough to say but hey Cleveland Guardians right we know how well they can develop pitching uh, you know, they, and they, they're scouting the development is top notch, much like Oakland. Right. Um, you know, that, that must be a pretty good sign that they're going to take a college lefty to Canada, uh, kind of all the ingredients for a Cleveland draft pick kind of mixed in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They love these guys, but this one, looking back on this list of Canadians, it, this one surprised me a little bit, you know, going through Wilkinson's resume, shout out to the Okotoks dogs and John or Candia, a former guest on this episode on this podcast as well. Matt Wilkinson was dominant, obviously won the National Pitcher of the Year, but dominant in his college career at Central Arizona. He's an Arizona State commit, so if he does decide to go to school, he's sticking in the state of Arizona. This reminds this, you know, and obviously I have no inside information on this, but this reminds me kind of of a Jacob Zibben situation where he got a little bit more, a lot more money, you know, being a 10th round pick. You know, he was the Canadian Baseball Network had him ranked very highly. But yeah, this kind of gives me that kind of vibe. I don't know if he'll get the kind of money that Zibin got, but a very good college arm that I felt might have, should have gone a little bit higher. Uh, but again, the Cleveland Guardians potentially with another big steal here. Yeah, and like like you mentioned, right? They just did that with Zibin, and they've obviously got a ton of Canadians, uh, you know, in and around their team, and then that's been a big part of their development the last couple of years. So a good sign, obviously, if you're Wilkinson, whether or not. Either of them will pan out. We'll see, right? That's pitching. That's baseball. But regardless, it's a really interesting story. Uh, and something to keep an eye on here for sure. If there's a guy to kind of really later on in these rounds to focus on, I think it would be Wilkinson for those reasons you outlined. Yeah, and I think it was just a real interesting pick. And 
again with Cleve, the connection with Cleveland and all the Canadians they've selected. I, this is definitely one to keep an eye on. I'll be really interested to see if he signs a little bit more leverage here, given that he's going out of junior college, um, yeah. second year. He can still get drafted as a junior at Arizona State. Does he take that risk? I think that comes down to money and situation, but uh, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on this one. Now, if he does sign, what kind of – uh, projection would you have for a guy like Wilkinson in that case? Well, this, he's a guy that succeeded at every level. And mm-hmm. I, and I mean, dominant at central Arizona, which is a top junior college. So I could see him, you know, going through pretty quickly, obviously who knows professional baseball is a lot different than college baseball. Um, you know, the, not only the schedule, but the, obviously the competition. Um, so, I, you know, we'll see, but it's, he's a guy that's, you know, he's got it done at every level. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it done at the next level too. And now, a word from the Baseball Zone. Are you looking for a fun summer activity to keep your athlete active and hone their baseball skills? Keeping kids engaged all summer long can be a challenge, and it can be hard to find activities that have a lasting impact. With our full summer package of baseball clinics and camps, your child can get fit and have fun at the same time. Our experienced instructors will help them hone their skills and even pick up some new ones. We offer an unbeatable combination of physical training and a social atmosphere. With our one-of-a-kind approach, your child will gain confidence, improve their coordination, and build better throwing and hitting mechanics, all in a safe and fun environment. With our flexible scheduling, you won't have to worry about disruption to your summer plans. Sign up today and let us help your child become the all-star they've always dreamed of. Check out our website for our summer clinic and camp information at thebaseballzone.ca. So the next pick was a... I would say a little bit off the board by the Atlanta Braves. It was outfield, outfielder Pierre Olivier Boucher, um, St. Joseph de Beauce, Quebec. I apologize if I mispronounced that, but he's a Southern Illinois uh, Saluki. Hmm. That's a good so, name. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. So I saw when this when he was drafted that this might have been a cost savings pick for the Atlanta Braves. Not in the sense that they don't like the player, but maybe offer him a little bit less to save some slot money. Um, so we'll see how that kind of all plays out. But again, another guy taking in the second day. Unlikely that a team takes a guy in a second day that they don't think they can sign. Right. And then that's the big thing, right? And then when they talk about that sort of on the draft coverage, draft preview shows and things like that, well, will they sign? Will they not? I, I often think, well, usually there's a deal there, you know, yeah. that they will or won't, um, you know, whether that's a handshake or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it goes to Atlanta, you know, uh, another team with a lot of, obviously the Canadian connection, not just with Anthopolis, but, um, you know, just throughout like their, you know, their scouting and their, their, their drafting last few years, right. They're, they're a team that it's, it's, there's a few teams that are often sort of more, uh, um, active in the Canadian market than others. Yeah. And I think Atlanta is a really good example of that. Yeah, of course. And, and another guy had a really good college career. So we'll see a little bit older of a player coming out of college, obviously. So we'll see where he's. If he signs, obviously that's the number one thing. I think he would. A junior again, not a ton of leverage to go back for a senior season, and you get, you're around the risk of not being signed or, or not being drafted. So when uh, I think this player is going to sign, um, and we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of days. But the next guy has signed, catcher Brady Trukownik, uh of the of the Mississauga Tigers, drafted by the Detroit Tigers, um, and he's he's. And that was the 15th round, 440th overall. He gets $400,000 um, as a signing bonus. Pretty good. Uh, obviously, they believe in him out of Connor State College, another program that recruits a lot of Canadians. This guy had a monster year. 
Yeah, I'm reading here. He, uh, yeah, Jim Callis tweeted out even he hit 470. He slashed 470, 555, 985. The JUCOs and slugging OPS home runs and ranked second in average in RBI. So you mentioned it. He had a monster season. No kidding. Um, you know, and here's a guy, you know, hey, another local story. I right? would love to see that. Um, 15th round, you know, it's, uh, goes to show just the difference between a baseball draft and like literally any other draft that like a 15th rounder who had such a great season, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in any other sport, that's just not the case. And then he signs for, you know, 400 grand or something like that. It's, uh, I love stories like that. And then a guy who, you know, if he was taken that deep, but who knows, right. A lot of potential here. And when you see a guy perform like that, especially as a catcher. Right. That's a really good sign. Yeah. And another really interesting guy here, you know, so essentially how I understand it works is the slot money, you know, the, the assigned slot values end after the 10th round. And then they can sign players from the 11th to the 20th round for up to 125,000. But then after that point, if they go over that amount, that now takes away from their slot value. Wow. So their slot pool. Right. So they obviously went, 200 i'm terrible at math 200 and something thousand dollars over for this player um and i think that's something that um, had to be done as a as a junior college player he had some leverage to go back to college and and continue on and who knows what he would have done if he had two a couple more years in college because he you know he looked like a seasoned veteran this year so um but he comes back close to home you know again we don't know who's who stays in what organization and where they end up if they eventually make it but it's pretty cool to see him you know with an organization yeah. pretty close, at least to me yeah. uh, and you. Uh, yes. I guess if you're listening in other parts of the country, you're not, uh, <laughs> it's not so local. No, big time. And, and yeah, Detroit just down the road, but you know, here's a catcher who can hit. Right. And, and that's always uh, juicy, right. If you're a, if you're a team, I don't know if scouts would use the term juicy, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cool story. And like, we'll see, you know, the work begins today and all those cliches, but you know, I think that, anytime that you can get a catcher who can hit into your system. And like you said, you already look like a bit of a vet. Um, and you need that for a catcher, right? You need kind of that maturity, right? And that, and sort of that poise that you think you might possess. So keep, keep close tabs on this one. Yeah. And again, a catcher that can hit and yeah. there's a lot that goes into being a catcher though, especially at the professional level. Yes, so yes, I, again, yes. I think this is a pretty slow progression, but obviously a lot of belief by the Tigers brass that, uh, he can eventually make a make an impact on the big league club. So the final Canadian selected was left-handed pitcher Jeremy Pilon by the Tampa Bay Rays in the 18th round, 543rd overall out of Salaberry de Valleyfield, Quebec. I think I got that one right. Um, nice. Obviously going to the Rays, another organization that knows what they're doing with pitching. So, Yeah, he'll be in their bullpen in a few years. He'll be at Rogers Center in uh, September. Yeah, he'll be throwing three innings shutout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it's a great story, right? And yeah, if you're if you're going to Tampa, right, as a pitcher, it's like, wow, okay. Now, what I do find interesting, and I and I don't know if it's the same with their prospects, you know, whenever Tampa gets someone, like I look at a guy like Jason Adam is a good example. Um, his repertoire got completely changed when he went to Tampa, right? They basically retooled him as they saw fit, right? They do this a lot with pitchers, right? Like if you go on their uh, baseball savant, their pitch types completely change when they go to Tampa. You know, but that's usually with guys who were already established in the bigs or even, you know, who had come through AAA and whatnot. This is the prospect. So, you know, whether and how much tinkering they do, I mean, obviously, if they drafted him, they liked him enough uh, in the 18th round. But 
you know, is this a situation where they, I mean, Tampa, we talk about the draft and develop. I mean, it used to be that Oakland was probably one of the best teams at it. I think Tampa now is the best at it. I think they've proved that Um, maybe more at the sign and develop as opposed to draft and develop, but regardless with pitching, especially uh, this is, you know, this is, uh, I think if you're a Jays fan, you're you, like, we just said, oh, well, you know, you're thinking pessimistically because that's just how it's been for so long with Tampa now. This will be interesting if he, whether he signs or not, obviously a high school kid, he's committed to the university of Alabama. So he's going to go pitch in the sec. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't sign as an 18th rounder. Um, oh yeah. Goes to, goes to college for three years exactly. as a lefty and we see him again in 2026 yeah. or whatever that draft may be. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see who knows. Um, yeah. Maybe there's a plan here in the bat in the works with the Rays. You never know what this kind of thing. So, yeah, but exactly. I would also wouldn't be surprised to see him at the donning the crimson tide of Alabama next season. And that'd be a good spot for him, right? Going to the SEC, you mentioned it, um, big conference. And, you know, if you, if you just even get the attention of Tampa Bay Rays, that's pretty cool in and of itself. A guy who's another junior national team alumni. And um, yeah, if I were him, I mean, obviously I'm not in any position to judge, but yeah, I think I'd probably take Alabama as well. Uh, but a really good sign even that you get drafted by Tampa. That's a pretty cool uh, uh, feather in your cap as it were. Of course. Yeah. And I, it, you know, as we mentioned, he's the last pick, but I do want to mention yesterday um, infielder Bryce Arnold or the Campbell university signed with the Toronto blue Jays. So no details as far as, you know, signing bonus or anything like that, but a, a Grimsby Ontario native, we mentioned Matt Higginson being a Grimsby native. So two Grimsby natives, you know, in professional baseball now. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I saw that he was projected to be a, you know, a, a guy who could get taken in the later rounds. Um, I did read it was a little bit of a surprise that he wasn't taken. Um, so it's it's not too much of a surprise that the Jays kind of scooped him up. Maybe this was the guy they had an eye on, obviously a local guy from Grimsby. Another great story. <laughs> you know, not, I don't know if you call, I guess Grimsby's in the GTA. I don't, uh, it's been the a GTA while. The GTA keeps expanding. I'm from yeah. Brantford. And I, 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 I'm just waiting for the day that Brantford is <laughs> then part of the GTA. <laughs> I was a little bit surprised that Arnold didn't get taken. He was a Dick Hauser Trophy semifinalist for College Player of the Year. He was a third-team All-American for the College Baseball newspaper, I believe it was. Um, and I think maybe D1 Baseball. I'd have to double-check that. But, yeah, little. Uh, I thought maybe you know between 11 and 20 he was going to go. But obviously gets his opportunity with the Blue Jays. I know I have, a, for some reason, a lot of people, a lot of Campbell fans interact with me on social media, and they – they were hoping he was going to come back, but uh, I kind of made the point that for him to go back and run the risk of not getting picked or not getting signed or getting picked, and then he's a senior of the draft, not a ton of leverage as far as negotiation skills. If the opportunity is there this year after a junior season, take it, um, and obviously he did. Yeah, and a Fieldhouse Pirates product, and you know, and and I'm sure this is a great feeling for him. Right. You see this in other sports too. You know, a guy doesn't get drafted and then quickly signs, right? Is an undrafted. That must be such a great feeling, right? Um, you look at other sports. I mean, a guy who pops into your mind might be Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I'm not <laughs> comparing the two. Very different sports. Very, very different. Just saying, I mean, it's those are cool stories, right? These are guys that you root for, right? The local guy who doesn't get drafted, but then gets scooped up by the local team. Like, that's a cool story, right? Regardless of kind of what happens here, how long it takes, you know, where he goes from here or if he moves on to other organizations, like just that in of itself, that's cool. And I think that, you know, it goes to show kind of how maybe Toronto this year, especially is focused a lot on Canadian talent um, and developing Canadian talent and finding that talent and scouting it. Um, 
but also, you know, how are, there are more guys now in this Canadian talent pool that uh, can get signed even after being undrafted. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think the state of players playing college is pretty good, but that kind of leads into the next thing we want to discuss. Bob Elliott wrote an article um, about nine players being selected from Canada, not being a good number. And it's not, um, I heard from a, a few different people that this was kind of a down draft. For, and again, that's no disrespect, obviously from anyone that was taken or anyone that could have been taken, uh, but was a bit of a down year at nine was pretty low. Um, and there's, there are reasons for that. And Bob outlines that in his article, you should go give it a read on the Canadian baseball network. But one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me, um, there were a few that stuck out to me, his points. And he obviously spoke to scouts about this. So this wasn't him just making this up off the top of his head. How much has, did the COVID pandemic play in the development, not only the development of these players when programs couldn't run, yeah. but the ability for scouts to see them. Um, so I think that definitely you kind of saw that trickle into this draft potentially a little bit. I was thinking the same thing and I didn't want to step on any toes. Cause I know that that was Bob's article, Bob, you know, obviously I'm going to make sure everyone checks out his article, but I thought that that might be something we're sort of seeing the effects of the pandemic, right? Right now. And I think too, because we're in a, you know, in Canada in a climate, even in BC where, you know, you can't play all year round, right? We're not in Florida. We're not in Arizona, right? We're not in Texas. So it's, it's the, the scouting you mentioned, it's harder for scouts to see these guys. It's harder for them to develop though. Right. I think we are starting, really starting to see again, another wave of, you know, guys who let's be honest, their development was stolen a little bit from them by the pandemic. Right. And that yeah. sucks. And and I think that because they're Canadians, because there's already sort of, there's not as much infrastructure up here for baseball. And of course the climate plays a factor as there is in those, you know, down South um, that plays a huge role and it's, it's not fair, but it's just how it is, I guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hear people say sometimes that, you know, Canadian players are already fighting an uphill battle for those, yeah. for those purposes. So yeah, I think the pandemic definitely played a, a part in it. It's not an excuse. Don't, you know, not a, but it, 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 I think it did play a part. The other thing that I thought was interesting from that article was the elimination of minor league teams. Right. So the minor league system is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, I think next year it's going to be down to about 160 players per, um, I think, four, four affiliates, I think. Um, yeah. But there's less opportunity, which means less opportunity for everyone, which means less opportunity for Canadians as well. You already saw the draft go from 50 to 40, now 20. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be tougher and tougher for these high school and college Canadians to, to get their names called in this draft. Yeah. It's harder to get into that pool where you're considered. And that's, that's the thing, right? When the, it's just, it feels like just the odds are becoming smaller, right? Like it's, it's just, it feels like the walls are closing in a little bit on that because of, as you mentioned, not just the minor leagues becoming smaller and uh, just overall, the way that kind of programs are run and the way that COVID played a factor, the weather, all these things combine, I think, to make it a lot more difficult. So um, it'll be interesting to see what next year looks like. I'm not sure what the projections are yet. Again, those things can change very much so in a year. Um, but something to keep an eye on here, how COVID, and what I'll be interested in too is, you know, two, three years down the line, like how far does the pandemic impact reach? You know what I mean? And by extension, the minor league reduction, how much that also plays a factor here in the next five years or so too. It'll be interesting to see. Well, that's and you hit the nail on the head there. You, you see the college game; they were given years back to seniors who lost their COVID year, which means older players and 
possibly more players, depending on how programs are run in college baseball, but then you get to the next level and it's shrinking. So obviously, you know, like I said earlier, I'm terrible at math, but I kind of see how that works. Yeah, exactly. It feels like the pipeline is, is getting smaller. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, it's an interesting observation. And, and so where that goes from here, you know, what kind of teams can benefit from that? How does scouting change? Right. How does development change? Right. Like I'm not, I think that other teams, teams like Oakland, teams like Cleveland, Tampa, they'll figure it out. You know what I mean? They'll be still, it's just about rejigging and finding ways to, to scout guys differently. And look, if you're talented, you know, it's the old thing. Like if you're talented, they'll find you kind of thing. Well, I mean, maybe, but when it's snowing outside and when there's a pandemic, it's harder for them to find you, right? You That's have, just how it is. And you have 500 players on your draft board or whatever yeah. some of these teams have, and you got narrowed down to 20 picks. I mean, but saying that, I mean, nine Canadians then doesn't seem necessarily that bad. And those teams obviously believe in those picks because there's less picks, there's less room, they're not going to waste their time. Not not that they waste wasted their time before, but when there's 50 yeah. rounds, yeah, um, you know they really have to zone in on these 20 picks. So congratulations to all the Canadians that were selected in this draft. Um, the draft is obviously a big thing for the Canadian Baseball Network. A shout out to Bob, obviously Bob Elliott and Kevin Glue of the Canadian Baseball Network did a fantastic job covering it. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. It's two dollars a month, twenty dollars for the year. Uh, I think it's the best money you'll spend if you're a Canadian baseball fan. One more thing before we go, just want to say uh, amidst all that talk about how the pandemic is impacted and stuff, big shout out to these nine athletes who did get drafted despite all that. That's a huge achievement. And uh, if you're listening, probably not, but if you are listening, congratulations. And uh, maybe we'll get a few of these guests on our podcast. I here was just about later. to say that, but until next time, everybody take care and we'll uh, you'll hear from us shortly. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And The Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players. 